Hey there, it's Alex. Just a really quick announcement before we get started here. We were totally booked out for our Cost of Glory Rome retreat this summer, 2024, June 30th through July 7th. But we've managed to make some adjustments and we've found room for another one or two slots. So if you're interested in visiting the great sites of Rome, discussing the merits of Rome's greatest men with me, and also improving as a speaker with the insights of ancient rhetoric and a whole lot of live practice and discussion, check out the retreat website at costofglory.com retreat. Hope to see you in Rome. Okay, now for the episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Cost of Glory. A brief episode today, but get ready for the life of Pyrrhus starting next week. It's going to be great. Roman consuls, kings of Egypt, Spartans, Macedonians, Sicilians, elephants, 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 all in one biography of one of history's greatest warrior kings. And we've collaborated with an up-and-coming Greek musician, Elias Markandonis, to bring you an original soundtrack of traditional music. So get ready. Also, a friendly reminder, if you think we merit a good review, go on to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and write one for us. It really helps people find this podcast. Today, a thought from the 19th century German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche. Something that will be useful both for diehard history buffs and also for people who feel like they are conspicuously lacking in historical knowledge. But what's this, Alex? You say, not an ancient? just some modern who's getting the limelight lately, and you decide to stray into foreign territory just to suit popular tastes? Well, Nietzsche does seem to be making a comeback these days, it's true. Nietzsche, of course, a controversial philosopher, famous, for example, for declaring that God is dead, although he doesn't seem to have been all that happy about the fact. But Nietzsche had a lot of constructive things to say, too, And what a lot of people don't realize about Nietzsche is that he was actually not trained as a philosopher at all, but as a classical philologist. He was, in fact, a scholar of ancient Greek, taught Greek at Basel in Switzerland for a number of years. And what's more, he was a big fan of Plutarch's lives, as we'll see shortly. And people are always telling you that you should read more history, aren't they? The past repeats itself. Or maybe history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. Or so many great leaders, they say, have been students of history. The way to control the present is to control the past, and so on. But when you read the lives of Plutarch's heroes, you don't get the impression that these people spent a whole lot of time poring over history. Alexander didn't do a master's degree in Persian studies or anything near its equivalent before embarking on his great campaigns. How much of Roman history, I mean, what really happened, objectively speaking, did Sertorius know? What of Spanish history before he conquered Spain? What was there even to know? Such men gathered the best information they could, of course, but history, as an academic subject, is very different from useful military intelligence. Business history is fascinating, but is it a prerequisite for founding or running a successful company? Nietzsche had thought about all of this, 
and he wrote a short book, really an essay, entitled On the Advantage and Disadvantage of History for Life. It's in a collection of essays, by the way, called Untimely Reflections, sort of earlier in his career. And Nietzsche actually saw a lot of bad in the excessive study of history, especially when it was undertaken as an academic subject, divorced from the practical life, say, in a master's or doctoral program, or as a lifelong scholarly devotion. Not that any of those activities are irredeemable, of course. Nietzsche thought he turned out all right himself, and he'd been through the academic ladder. But he makes an argument in this essay that Whenever someone embarks on a great history-making deed, one has to, as it were, forget all about objective history, history in an academic sense. Because often we consult history to try to make sense of present events, to try to predict the future. Such and such happened in such presidency in the 1970s, and the result was this and that. The last time Congress or Parliament did this, such and such happened and so on, but it's easy to get into analysis paralysis and go so deep that we sort of addle our wits, we rob ourselves of practical initiative. But a wild animal, as Nietzsche explains, doesn't think about precedence. A jaguar doesn't try to analyze his actions and predict the result in terms of a reasoned assessment of some general pattern in jaguar affairs. He acts on instinct with intuition. He leaps to catch his prey, confident in his own powers that he has developed through his own experience. And Nietzsche argues that actually most history-making is done more with that mindset, like the jaguar, rather than like the academic, who writes a policy proposal based on months of research, which then gets adopted by a committee and submitted to some executive authority. Not actually that common that history is made in that way. Of course, our inner lives are more complicated than that of big cats, and we do use history to inspire great achievements of prowess, but not in an objective, scientific way. Rather, we use our imaginations when we think of the great stories that we are living in parallel to. We retell them to ourselves, focusing on what is important subjectively for motivating ourselves now. According to Nietzsche, at least, and I'll quote here, only so far as a bright lightning flash of light occurs within that encircling cloud of mist, that is, only through the power to use the past for life and to refashion what has happened into history, does man become man. But with an excess of history, man ceases again. And without that cloak of the unhistorical, he never would have begun and dared to begin. Where are there deeds which a man might have done without first having entered the mist of the unhistorical? So from Nietzsche's perspective, at least, history is best read not to help us decide what our goals should be, but rather to help us achieve them once we've already figured out what they are. So, Are you reading too much history? Could your thirst for knowledge be distracting you from living your life to the fullest, from making a story rather than objectively understanding someone else's? Or conversely, 
Have you somewhat neglected the tool of history, of inspirational stories from the past, with their great power to fire you up, to break through the invisible limits you have put on your own potential? Well, either way, Nietzsche suggests a path forward for you. Later on in the essay, he says, Satisfy your souls on Plutarch, and dare to believe in yourselves when you believe in his heroes. A hundred such men, educated against the modern fashion, that is, men who have ripened and are used to the heroic, could now silence forever the whole noisy pseudo-education of our time. Hope you're doing well. Stay strong, stay ancient, and stay tuned. Till next week.